Welcome to The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Wealth Standard Radio. As a side note, you might hear some banging or crashing or thumping in the background. It's not that we're on a martial arts studio set and we've got anything like that going on, but uh, there is some construction next door that uh, we could not get them to stop. So that's, that's what you're hearing in the background. But uh, we're glad you joined us today, and we're, we're excited for the topic and the guests that we have today. Uh, before we get on to that, just a couple, uh, I guess, uh, housekeeping items. Um, this is now the Well Standard Radio, and we've just finished up the series um, with Patrick Donahoe and, and myself, Brad Gibb. We've, we just finished up that video series on thewellstandard.com. So jump in there if you've not seen those videos yet, or if you know, maybe even more importantly, if you have seen them, but you, you know of somebody that might benefit from hearing those, it's a great way to introduce what we're doing and, and uh, these types of concepts. Because we have a lot of people come to us and say, great, I'm convinced, or I'm already a part of this, I've already made this transition, this shift, but my mother-in-law or my brother or my nephew or whoever would, could, could really benefit from this, but they don't feel either confident in their own ability to teach it or don't want to feel like they're sticking a life insurance agent you know, onto their, onto their family or, or friend. So that's a really good way to introduce the concept and get, get the, the wheels turning for somebody. So you can, you can send them over there. They can watch that without even signing in, no obligation, you know, nothing there. So go check those out. And as always, we've got tons of new content on our website, uh, paradigmlife.net. There's always new blogs, new podcasts, new information up there. So, so check that out. So today we've got with us the Justin Martin. Uh, that's right. How you the doing, Justin? Justin Martin. Good. Thanks, Brad. Good. Justin and I have known each other for a number of years. And so I guess it proves true the adage, it's not what you know, but who you know. Uh, yep. But fortunately, Justin does also know, which is why he's here. So he's going to be sharing with us a lot of his story, a lot of his background. Uh, he's only been with us at Paradigm here for less than a year, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean he's inexperienced when it comes to the financial world. Um, he's got a ton of experience. He's got an MBA, right? Right. Uh, and, and then a number of years' experience working in a large brokerage firm. So we're going to talk about some of that. Um, we're going to hopefully get to know Justin a little bit better, but glean um, what his takeaways were from being involved in the more traditional world. Because so many of our clients are coming f- from that paradigm, that thought process, that advice pattern, that to hear what we're teaching them is so different um, that it, it, it's challenging to, to what they've been told. So you coming from there, I think this will be a great um, episode for people that, that, are, that really help them clear, right. clarify that right. and, and, mm-hmm. and clear that up. So Justin, why don't you just give us your, your quick background and, and give us some of the, some of the other details like who you are, what you like to do. You're married. You've got like a bunch of kids, a whole bunch of kids. I get that. <laughs> that I actually had a client uh, last time Patrick was so the running joke with me. I've only known Patrick since my, my started growing my family. So it's like every, all he knows is us either, you know, pregnant or, you know, with a newborn. Yep. That's like all he knows. So it's, the joke is that I have all these kids. Well, I have four, which is a lot, but he said 13 in one in one podcast just joking <laughs> and i had a client actually email me and says you have <laughs> 13 kids there's no way so it was kind of funny but um 
but yeah, so tell us about you, your family, what you like to do, introduce yeah. yourself, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, thanks, Brad. You know, and, and before I really jump into a lot of my background and whatnot, let me just put in one other plug for for the education piece that you can get on our website because really when I started being when I started in becoming introduced to this concept that we're talking about here with this with this banking on yourself concept and whatnot the website provided just a wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, recently we've updated the website. There's that resource tab on there that gives you a lot more articles and videos. I know, I know Daniel, our video guy here in, in the studio, he's putting together uh, some, some mini video series that are going to be rolling out too on different topics. And, you know, here today in our conversation on this podcast, we're going to f- hit a few different uh, topics that will also mm-hmm. create some, you know, one, three-minute videos. So, yes, jump online, educate yourself, because this is this is a great, you know, it's a great concept, and it's a great way to be planning for the future with your finances. No, that, that's a really good point. It actually reminded me that when when I started to talk to this about you, you, you were asking me a question about, should I pay my student loans off? Yep. Should I do this or that? And I said, you know, here's a different way to think about money and, and banking and that, and, and I know that got your wheel spinning, and then I – and I don't want to impose on people either. And so I just sent you the website. I remember you called me just a couple of days later. You're like, dude, I've gone through everything. What else, what else? do you yep. have? Yep. So no, that, that's good. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, uh, just to go back and, and talk a little bit on my background, where I come from, what I've been doing. So I did most of my I'm, – I'm here from the Salt Lake Valley. And it's where we're broadcasting from today. I did my undergrad um, – out at Brigham Young University, just just south of the Salt Lake Valley here. Had a great experience. Uh, When I was graduating, I jumped into the financial industry working for a large brokerage firm um, and spent quite a few years there. Learned, Learned a lot about the financial world and about everything involved. Well, very early on, um, working there at the brokerage house, uh, I remember the day when I was sitting there and everything was going great, and you remember this well too. Uh, there was a company called AIG mm-hmm. that was greatly affected by another company called Lehman Brothers. Mm-hmm. AIG came a little bit before the downfall of Lehman Brothers, but I remember sitting there going, "Okay, everything that I just learned in my undergrad experience and everything that I've learned so far working on the trading desk at this brokerage house." I wasn't taught any of this, <laughs> what was going on, what was happening there. And so, you know, there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of, of things happening during 2007, 8, 9. Learned a lot, and I'll go into some details of different things that were going on there. But to give, kind of give you the high level of, of my experience, you know, after after I spent some time there at the brokerage house and, and through some own ventures that I did also that went, that went bad on me because of the recession, mm-hmm. Um, I ultimately ended up heading down to Texas A&M University mm-hmm. down in Southern Texas and spent, spent a couple of years there in the MBA program. Getting educated there. Uh-huh, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. And giving them a lot of my money, which was fantastic. <laughs> uh, but no, the faculty there and the students there, I mean, they're top tier. Great, great people. Learned a lot. Coming out of that MBA program, though, I had the goal of trying to figure out what I was going to do to provide for my family, mm-hmm. you know, both the now, the present, and for retirement. My 401k wasn't doing it. My IRA wasn't doing it. I had a lot of money in Roth IRAs. Wasn't, I was putting a penny in 
and then it was disappearing. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for alternative ways or different ways to be able to invest for the future. So I spent some time, a year or two, working a couple different companies on contracts, doing different things. And then ultimately, that's when I found this this concept, this banking concept. And man, it was just baptism by fire, mm-hmm. learning about everything, trying to absorb. And I'm still trying to just absorb as much as I can. There's not enough hours in the day yeah. to really go through well, it. It ended up being such a good fit because you had the background, you had the experience, you'd seen everything that went wrong. This ended up being the, the perfect solution. But you bring a great skill set in addition. You're very personable. You're, Thank you. You can teach very well. And so it just ended up being um, a great fit. Let's, let's start by by jumping into kind of the experience at Fidelity and comparing that with what kind of showing people, I guess, pulling the curtain back and saying, okay, everybody's getting advice financially. Um, they're getting told, you know, what, what, where to put their money, what the best vehicles are and, and what the best strategy is for retirement. Let's pull the curtain back and learn who is giving that advice. Right. Okay. And it's, we don't want to be down on the individuals themselves. This is more of a, a systematic issue. Okay? It's, it's not that, that there, I mean, there are plenty of people out there trying to deceive you, but that's not the point of what it is today. And that's what we want people to see is there are good people like you that were doing that. But let's look at what, let, let's kind of pull that curtain back and learn kind of what's going on. So when somebody would call in, when, when you were, well, let's even go before that, your training. Right. Working right. at Fidelity, what was that like? How much experience did you have? And, and what were you taught to do to help clients with their finances. Right. And coming out of my undergrad experience, you know, everyone's got to, everyone's got to take that first step in mm-hmm. and learn somewhere. And as, as you said, the, the brokerage house that I was working for was Fidelity and, and great, great company. I still bank with them. Um, but being such a large brokerage house and other comparable ones, Vanguard, the Merrill Lynch's, the other houses out there, they have so many trillions of dollars under management and so many clients, they have to be able to streamline their processes. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that I got plugged right into that system. I was another one of their numbers, another one of their people there, a part of that system. Not to downplay my role there or anyone else's role there. So when I jumped into working with Fidelity, the first, the first desk that I was working on was the trading desk, working with specifically their mutual fund trading and stock trading. Mm-hmm. Assisting clientele, place those trades, get recommendations figure out what they were going to be doing. Now, mind you, again, this is 2000, this is 2006, seven and eight. I'm seeing a huge rise in the market and then a huge tank in the market all in that 48 month period. And, um, so initially I started out, got fully licensed. So I series Mm -hmm. seven, 63. Mm -hmm. I was, I was obtaining all of the different certifications that come along with it. Okay. So let's stop there with the series licenses. Mm -hmm. So, when people put initials after their name, we assume a certain level of expertise. Expert, yep. Right? Taking those tests, you, I, I assume you got a lot of technical knowledge. But, but as far as really being able to comprehend the big picture, how much came from that? Yeah. You know, I didn't have a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. I was 21 years old, mm-hmm. 22 years old. You know, there, there, was, there was no really concrete background or wealth of knowledge out there mm-hmm. that really said, yeah, I am this certified financial advisor that can yeah. really... So you had the license. Right. But as far as being an expert, getting a license didn't make you an expert. Right. Okay. So that's, that's and here's the interesting with the, the word expert in all of this. 
we were taught and told that we didn't have to be the expert, that we didn't mm-hmm. need to be the expert. And the reason for that is because they had their their research analysts mm-hmm. spread throughout the world. They were the experts. So the expertise came in what was folded into the product. And all you right. had to do was buy the product. All, yep. And you had access to all exactly. of the Exactly. Okay. It's an interesting – and again, it's not a bad mindset necessarily. I mean, it's an honest way of doing it, but – if you think about that, is it the most effective? I right. When it comes down to the actual recommendation, you as the person, as the individual, mm-hmm. is it really your best fit? Is it really what you should be doing? Mm-hmm. Because this is what happened. So I got my licensing. You know, that was a three, six-month yep. period. Got my licensing. I'm, I'm sitting there on the trading desk, taking phone calls, meeting with different clients, doing different things, placing these trades. But as clients are coming and they're saying, hey, I just lost my job. I've got $50,000 in my 401k. What do I do with it now at this point? Mm-hmm. They, they really didn't know what they were doing with it before that either. But mm-hmm. what do I do with it now at this point? My HR department's not telling me. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing you do is, you know, put it into your IRA, put, roll it on over. But then mm-hmm. again, what do you do with it? Yep. It was very interesting at that point to see what was the recommendation from the brokerage house. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the brokerage house wants to keep you in their funds. Mm-hmm. They want to keep you in those mutual funds because, you know, they're they're profitable. A- assets under management. Right? I mean, they are, they're a profit center, and they've got to make money too somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so naturally with Fidelity, Fidelity's got a lot of great funds out there, but every recommendation was always the Fidelity mutual fund, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Well, I was 22 years old. How on earth was I really to know what recommendation I should be. Yet, mm-hmm. the person that was on the other side of the phone call call thought I was the expert. So that, that's something, because you had initials after your name and because you were the one that picked up the phone, you are the, right. you were the expert. And, okay. o- and honestly, it was kind of a scary experience, the, yep. especially those first few weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, these people had, they're, they're 50, 60, 70, 80 years old. Mm-hmm. They've got a lot more history than mm-hmm. I do. And a lot more stuff to deal with, right? Yet, they're turning to me, this 22-year-old, yeah. Newly married, going. Hmm. Here's what. Let you me should... tell you what you should do with your finances. Yeah. Let me tell you what to do with retirement. So, so this is a good stopping point to kind of point out that build what we're building toward here is is the idea that most people giving financial advice, while licensed to do so, probably are not experts. Right. Okay. They're right. they are 21, 22 year olds, who who are the way I want to think about it. Regardless of age, because there are plenty of 40 and 40. You weren't. You were probably one of the younger ones on the trading floor. I was, yeah. What, what was the what was the age range? You know, we there? we had fifty, sixty year old men that okay. had been working there for decades. Okay, but what 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 I realized as, as we talked about this was, it's it's really not even that that Justin was only twenty one or twenty two. It was that he was an employee hired to sell mutual funds. Yeah. He wasn't a financial expert. He wasn't trained or. The, there was no system behind it. There was no education behind it. There was no global approach to it. It was just, Justin, our brokerage firm has hired you to sell mutual funds. When somebody calls in, right. sell them a mutual fund, right? So whether the person is 20 or 50 or in between, that's what the purpose is of it. And a lot of people don't realize that their financial advisor is a sales person. Yep. That's, they're an employee that has a sales sheet that they've been taught of. Exactly. These are the things that you say. They're not really taught to, to analyze. So let's jump into that, the analysis side. If somebody called in and said, I got $50,000, what should I do? Were you really allowed to help them 
or were you what were you restricted to you know and and the the appropriate way of doing all of it was would have been to say okay i just got done with school i know how to analyze things i know how to run spreadsheets mm-hmm. i should have been taking that client doing a full financial portfolio on them and saying let's meet again mm-hmm. in 3 or 4 days after i've been able to go back to my books talk to my team do other things to give you a true recommendation that's best for you. Yeah, and it would have involved more than the $50,000 right. in the 401k. It would involve what debt do you have, when do you want to retire, right. what income sources do you have, you know, exactly. do, do you have, can, you know, long-term care insurance if this or that or whatever else and let's look at the whole comprehensive picture right. and then I can tell you what to do with this 50,000. Can right? the 21-22 year old give okay. a great recommendation? Absolutely. Sure. Given the time, given the resources, absolutely. But that's not how it worked. Mm-hmm. It it there are so many clients, so many people, so much money flowing that it has to be quick. It has to be mm-hmm. streamlined. Mm-hmm. And so... What would your supervisor have said if you gathered the spreadsheet and were putting it together and he came over and saw what you were doing? He would have said, here's a box, there's the door. Yeah. And here's your pink slip. Take, you know, that, thank, So that was not something you were allowed no, to do as a as we were not allowed to do that. And for a couple of reasons, number one, any recommendation I gave mm-hmm. had the fidelity trademark on it. Mm-hmm. Had to be fidelity sanctioned. Yep. And so, obviously, they need to protect that from yep. from a legal standpoint. Now, and while s- you were li- legally allowed to give that advice because of your licenses, right. Fidelity was saying, Their own this is the box that you need to work within. Exactly. So, so it was very structured. Mm-hmm. Client comes in. They say, I need a recommendation. I've got this IRA $50,000 in it. Mm-hmm. What do I do? Well, I had a list of five questions I was going to ask. Mm-hmm. Where are you from? What's your age? What's your income? What's your goal for retirement? Mm-hmm. And how much risk do you want to take? Mm-hmm. And then based upon those, I would plug them into the software tool. And about 25 seconds later, I would get a result that would say, you need to select one of these two life cycle funds. Mm-hmm. This is where you're going to invest. Okay. So t- tell us about what a life cycle fund is. So a life cycle fund, or they're also known by a target date fund, mm-hmm. basically says you've got money that you're saving for retirement. Mm -hmm. Your retirement's in the year 2050. Put your money in here, and the the financial firm is going to do a risk analysis on that, starting you out with highly invested in stocks, low invested in bonds, and year by year, they're going to reallocate that holding to become more and more conservative. As you get closer and closer to whatever your target right. date is. So if your target is 10 years, it's going to start a lot more conservative than if your target was 30 right. years now. And that's, that's making the assumption, too. Mm-hmm. They were making the assumption, too, that stocks have a lot of risk, mm-hmm. bonds are low risk, mm-hmm. which we know that's a fallacy in itself. Right. But year by year, it's, it's moving down closer and closer. In fact, you know, if you're looking at a, at a target fund, 2050, that's, that means you're retiring in the year 2050, right now... You're, you're putting about 90% in stocks, 10% mm-hmm. in bonds, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit in some type of money market cash reserves right. of some sort. That was the recommendation. Okay. And that's what I did over and over and over again. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, if the client had a little bit more money, we would push him towards some type of, of an advisory service. Uh-huh. Um, so it's not they're investing in a target fund. Now they're investing in some other type of spread of mutual funds, okay. but paying an additional 1.5% okay. advisory fees on top of right. all of the expense ratios and everything else. Mm-hmm. But as I started peeling back the recommendations I was giving, 
you know, about six months into giving the same recommendation over and over again, it, mm. it got me concerned, got me thinking, you know, is this really the best thing for that person? Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe I'm the one that's missing something here. Mm-hmm. When I started looking at it, I was looking at different target funds spread across the industry, Vanguard funds, Oppenheimer funds, Fidelity funds saying, are they similar? Are they not? They're all similar. Mm-hmm. You take you take a target fund from a from a brokerage house, a Fidelity brokerage house. You're buying that Fidelity target fund or life cycle fund, but inside of it, you're purchasing about twenty other Fidelity funds. Mm-hmm. Which I started looking into that, going, okay, so if I'm putting my money into this life cycle fund, I've got a 075 percent expense ratio on that, mm-hmm. and then they're going to spread that money out to. 20 other mutual funds that all have their about 1 to 1.5% expense ratio mm-hmm. on it. And then there's all of the the drag fees, the ratios, everything else mm-hmm. that's built inside of that. So in essence, the clients were paying 3 to 4% in fees and, and ratios that were just money disappearing mm-hmm. that they never knew about. That was mind-blowing to me at that yeah. point in time. When I started seeing all that play out... Yet still, I was hesitant Yeah. because I was going, My, a company that has $3 trillion under management. They got to be doing something there's, right. There's, there's right. got to be something going yeah. on there. And, and we're going to get to the good parts about this because right. there, there definitely are. But what I, I love seeing you kind of from behind the curtain learn and say, man, yeah. this is – this just isn't adding adding up. And we've been trying to tell this to people for a long time. Like in our Wealth Standard videos, we said 3 to 4%. And here are peer-reviewed articles that back that up. But there are still people saying, oh, I'm paying 1%. I'm paying 0.75%. But then they don't realize, okay, they're paying 0.75 on this layer, but the next layer is charging yep. 1, and the next layer is charging, and all the way through. So it's really this this idea. And, and when somebody asked what fees they were paying, you were 0.75 percent exactly right what is the expense ratio what's listed there yeah, on the website because c- that's all you knew that's what i that, that exactly. i knew and could say exactly um i love it let, let's go on let, let's keep exploring a little bit more this idea of risk right because okay. the idea was well we need to get you in this target date fund to manage your risk and how much risk do you want to take yeah i imagine if your undergrad education in finance was anything like mine they said well, we diversify so that we're, you know, we, we protect from the, the downs in the market and, and you know, we're, we protect risk. So you said you started out in 06. So I bet during 06 and 07, any recommendation you made Fabulous. was wonderful. Oh, you yeah. were king of the world, right? Amazing. Yeah. Now you had all these people in very diversified portfolios. I mean, if we're talking diversification, there's nothing more diversified than a, these uh, target date funds because right. these are mutual funds of mutual funds of mutual funds, right. which is the, I mean, they couldn't have been more spread and diversified. So how did that work going into 08? Did that protect everybody and and function the way we think risk mitigation should function? It worked in the way that they wanted it to. And let me explain. Okay. For one, Fidelity is still making money. Sure. Vanguard's still making money. These brokerage homes are still making money because they've got that expense ratio built into it. Mm-hmm. But the objective of any mutual fund, of any investment portfolio out there that the financial advisor is going to give you and that I gave over and over again was you're investing for the long run. Okay. So yeah, we're in a downturn, but just hang on mm-hmm. because it's going to come back up. And yeah, granted, we've seen a great rise in the market over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. 
but you know, how much of it did you actually, you as the investor actually capitalize on that? Probably not to the extent that you needed to mm -hmm. for retirement. So as you're talking to these investment advisors and the recommendation I gave was, yeah, the market's down, but just turn off the television, <laughs> breathe, and you just have to go through the roller coaster ride. Your risk profile is very high right now. Mm -hmm. You're going to be highly invested in stocks internationally, domestically. You're going to be invested in them. And so you just have to ride the market. And hopefully, that word hope mm -hmm. really scares me. Hopefully, mm -hmm. you know, by the time you hit the year 2050, retirement year. You don't have to worry about you'll it. You'll be good. This would just be a bump in the road. You'll be good. I mean, talk to any baby boomer. Did it work? Right. You know? Right. <laughs> but, you know, and so, and so when it comes to, when it comes to this, this concept of risk, mm -hmm. it's the risk, the risk piece is really going to be who's telling the story of risk. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's exactly what I was thinking was because when, when you're sold a mutual fund, you're saying you're diversified, so you can't lose all your money. Right? So if, if things get bad, it's going to protect you. But then when it got bad and their portfolio still fell by 30 or 40%, the story changed. And it was, well, no, you don't need to worry because it will, you're, you're well set to then recover from it. So right. we didn't even acknowledge that they weren't supposed to fall in the first place to saying, no, now we're going to talk to you about this other side of risk that is, no, we're, we're stretching this out over the long run. And because you're staying, you know, aggressive and you've got this, you're going to, you're going to bounce back through the recovery and get it back there. All the while not acknowledging right. the original story they were told about being protected from the downside in the first place. Um, so that, that concept of diversification is when we deal with a lot of times, but so I got to be diversified. Like I have stuff all over here and, and we start to ask them, well, okay, did that, was that effective? And I think people are slowly realizing like, man, it just seems like I can't nail that to the wall. It just keeps changing on me. I wasn't supposed to lose and then I'm supposed to recover. I need to be in the long run, but I really don't know what my long run is. And if this happened two years before I retired, what happens to my long run? There is right. no long run, but you know, a shorter freedom fund still was affected negatively in a way. I mean, that it wasn't that, that anything was perfectly protected. So, um, so that idea of diversification, I think was for me anyway, pairing in was, was interesting yeah. there. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the thing that I kept on going back to saying, okay, this is the reason why I'm going to stay here working for this company. The reason I'm going to, can I keep on doing and giving this recommendation is people just flat out don't have time nor the desire mm -hmm. to want to learn yeah. everything about the finan financial industry. I don't know everything about the financial industry. I don't think anyone does no. nor can. Well, I like working on my cars to an extent, but I don't do everything on them, right. right? I, I want to have somebody that I can rely on with more knowledge and time that specialize in that so I can focus on the things I want to. So right. it's not bad that, 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 that is, that's out so there. So is it okay to pay someone that 1.5% expense ratio, 4% maybe even, to have them manage your money? Y yeah, maybe, maybe it is, right? Mm -hmm. But do you actually know the person that's giving you that advice? Right. Have you done your due diligence? Do you know the track record behind everything going on? And do you actually know what's going on? If you're invested in XYZ mutual fund, mm -hmm. fantastic. You can look at a quick snapshot of the five-year, 10-year, 30-year history on that mm -hmm. fund. But do you actually know the 75 stocks that they're investing in? Yeah. Are you comfortable with those stocks? Well, and, and even, even one layer you know, higher level than that, do you know that this fits into your wealth plan? Right. Do you know that this is the right type of investment to be in to meet your goals and objectives? Yeah. Do you have a, a, a base and a foundation built? Do you have your liquidity? Do you have 
you know, the ability to access your capital? Do you have, do you have all of that taken care of to where this is the right fit? Right. That device was never given, right? So I think that's the assumption people make that if they're telling me I should buy this, it means everything else is okay and this is what I should do with that dollar. But we harp on people with opportunity costs. So the mutual fund might not have been bad in that it made them money, right? People make money right. in this all the time or it wouldn't be there. If everybody put money in and it disappeared, pretty soon people, I mean, we would catch on, right? I think one of the worst things about mutual funds is is that they make money. But our, I guess our, our focus, what I want people to get out of this conversation is there was no plan. There was no system. There was right. no objective. It was strictly, here's a menu. What would you like? Right. Right. Or here are some things. I mean, it, it feels very the same. You go into a restaurant and say, what's good? What are they going to say? Everything's good. Right. right. What do you feel like eating today? Oh, well, then I would recommend this. Right. But there, there isn't a nutrition plan there saying, well, have you eaten all of your greens for this or that or that? You know, they're not giving you a nutrition plan. They're just saying, what do you feel like today? And that's the way most of our financial advice is given. It's like going into a restaurant as opposed to having a financial, or sorry, having a nutrition consultant say, you need to eat these, these many calories and this many, all your nutrients and all that kind of stuff. We, we assume that that plan is somewhere behind there because you're the professional, yeah. right? And what they don't realize is they've taken concepts that sound good and that, that yes, need to be part of a plan. So it feels like you're talking about diversification and when are you going to retire and all that kind of stuff feels like a plan, but it really isn't anything but ordering off the menu. Yeah. And I think coming to your example with, you know, this nutritional plan, a nutritionist is never going to give you recommendations on what to eat and what not to eat yep. until they know one very important fact or one important figure. And that is what is the goal? Yep. If you as the client don't, if you don't know what the goal is, then they're not going to give you a recommendation. Mm-hmm. Same and, thing with and, your finances. And they won't do it without analyzing what your current health is. You're, they're going to weigh you. They're going to body mass index. They're going to you know, do all exactly. these tests to know where you're at. And they're going to talk about where your goal is or where you need to be. And now we know what the gap looks like. Right. And we can plan to be there. Right. And so looking, looking at my experience, you know, with dealing with clients in very high-risk profiles and whatnot, mm -hmm. if a client knows, if a person knows what the end goal is, they know what they're working for, and they can see somewhat what the plan is of how to get there. The thing that happens and what really makes it all work is they're working towards something so they're able to take themselves away emotionally mm -hmm. from the entire plan. Because it doesn't matter what you're doing or where you are. There's always going to be outside factors that mm -hmm. are going to play into everything that are going to change your plan along the way. So the client that can remove themselves emotionally is the one that's typically going to be better off in the long run. Let me just throw out an example of this. So I'm, I'm sitting there on, on a different trading desk at this brokerage house, and it's September 2008. By, th by that point in time in September 2008, a lot of people were just sitting in cash. Yeah. Gotten out of the market. The, the market's still fluctuating three, 400 points a day. It almost became normal to see the market bounce back and forth mm -hmm. that dramatically. I remember sitting there and there was a television screen off to the right of my desk and um, the news story that was coming through was a little clip by one of our financial entertainers, mm -hmm. Susie Orman. And I think Susie Orman does a lot of great things out there, although there are some things that we, we, we would disagree on. Mm -hmm. But she got on to Oprah Winfrey's show 
And she announced to women across the nation that they needed to get out of money market funds. Mm. And I'm sitting there at, at one of the trading desks at this brokerage house. Susie Orman announces that. And immediately, my phone just rang for the next six hours straight, working into overtime, doing the whole thing. And I was doing the same thing over and over and again. I was taking distributions out of folks' IRAs, 401ks, so they could put it into their bank. People were paying 10% penalties on their money and all the taxes involved just because one person in a 30-second clip changed everything, changed wow. their entire world. And so looking, looking at that, that really made me start to think, wow. Do, what's influencing this? What's influencing it? Do people really understand the emotion that goes behind all of your finances? Mm. And, and I would try over and over again to tell people, you know what, breathe for a day, sleep it off. Let's wake up in the morning and figure it out. But no, it no, wasn't that were, way. It was just the She was on TV. Point the she gun said fire. something to do and I'm going to do it. Exactly. Hmm. So I think as, as, as we start to plan out and we're looking to the future, what is my goal? What is the objective? It's really going to help us take a step away to remove the emotion behind all of mm -hmm. it just so we can still go along with whatever our goals are. Because, you know, we under, even though here at Paradigm Life, we have a different focus besides investing in the market. We recognize and we understand that most people are still invested in the market. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's fine. But you still have to have a goal. You still yeah. have to have a reason for wherever you're investing. And, and you have to have that, that basis and that plan. So let's, let's shift gears quickly before we wrap up um, around what, what the positives are. Yeah. Right? So if, because like you said, there are some people that um, either by choice or by necessity are, are in the market, right? There are still people that, that come to us and say, great, I don't want to put any more into my 401 account, but I got a hundred grand in there. I got 300 grand in there and I, I, you know, I can't pay the penalties or it's with my company and I can't access it or for whatever reason, they're still in the market. What benefit or tips or advice would you be able to give to say, as you use an advisor that way, what, what, what benefit is provided? What needs to be watched out for and how do they... How yeah, should I, go about that? I would say number, I say that number one thing is don't rely on just one person. Mm -hmm. When you're given, when you're given a recommendation for XYZ mutual fund, make sure you're double checking that you're doing your own research, research, but you're also talking to other people mm -hmm. on top of that, invest a little bit of time and money into other type of research firms out there. Mm -hmm. One of uh, a great company that we work with a lot here at Paradigm Life, Palm Beach Newsletter. Mm -hmm. I know they have a wealth of knowledge and research for clients that are still invested in the market, mm -hmm. depending on, you know, what is their strategy? Maybe it's legacy stocks, maybe it's mm -hmm. dividend, maybe it, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Make sure you are finding other trustworthy resources that you can start to look at places to invest. On top of all of that, have other things in your nest egg or other eggs in your nest that you can rely on. Mm -hmm. If you have a lot of money invested in the market, you know, albeit between stocks and bonds, mm -hmm. what's outside of that? Do you have real estate? Do you have insurance? Do you have other things that you can be relying on to kind of act as a buffer mm -hmm. against whatever the market is doing? to help give you that type of income or whatever your strategy may be. Okay. And I think a lot of clients that have come to us 
let's say in their 40s or 50s or 60s feeling like, okay, I've got a whole bunch. So I'm not, you know, one of the, the difficult parts of this is a lot of the examples given for, you know, how our system works is, okay, 35-year-old puts this money in for 30 years. And says, well, I'm, I only have 15 years, right? Or I already have all these other assets over here. How right. does this work for me? I think that idea of trying to strive for some amount of balance um, can be very important. Um, as far as going back to try to get this advice that they need to have, a plan, right? We give clients that that. That, I don't want to say a, a, it's not really a financial plan, but that education. Right. So they understand it's the nutrition plan for them. They know yep. what they should be getting and in what quantities. So then when they seek out, that's the way I, I kind of talk about it. Get the education, newsletters, the, the, you know, the education we have online or, or, and, and build that framework and know what it is you need to, to meet your goals and then find somebody that can, that can get that for you. So if they're going to, I guess the way I would think about, I think one of the big advantages we have at Paradigm Life is we're not such a large organization that we're constrained by, okay, you're going to talk to somebody that we've put a box around that can only give you this advice. And then to be able to get access to the people that have the answers that you want, you need $100,000 or $500,000 or a million dollars. So at a, a large brokerage house like this that a lot of people are constrained to, how do they get the advice that really would be meaningful more than just somebody typing in numbers and it's, it's spitting them out? Is there a way to do that? Or should they look for a smaller, a smaller place to pay more attention to them? What, what did you learn through that? You know, the, that is a great question as far as, you know, where, where should the investor be going then? You know, yeah. how, how much money do you have to dish out to different true financial planners mm -hmm. before you say, okay, now I'm just paying too much money? Because it is going to cost you. No matter where you yep. go, someone's going to be making money off of it. Yep. Um, looking at the different brokerage houses out there, you just have to be sensitive to all of the different fees and, and ratios in there as far as where that money is going. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think you have to be sensitive to the types of mutual funds that you're getting into. If, if you choose the mutual funds are the way to go, is it a mm -hmm. class A, class B, class C? You know, mm -hmm. that uh, if you don't know what kind of mutual funds or what, you know, jump onto Wikipedia. You can find, you can find out really quickly mm -hmm. because what you have to remember is this. It doesn't matter if you have the most professional financial planner out there, you know, managing your money, or if it's, you know, the 22-year-old mm -hmm. sitting on the other side of the phone. You are always more concerned about your finances than they are. Yep. At the end of the day, whatever happened to your finances it's really not going to affect them that much. Yeah. So you have to be able, you have to take that a step back and say, okay, to a certain degree, I do have to learn what I'm doing mm -hmm. and I have to research and do my due diligence on where I'm going. Now, if that is staying with a large brokerage house, getting into one of these life cycle funds, if that is the best fit right now, then great. Then do it as long as you know what your goal is and what you're working towards. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the, the Cheshire cat in Alice in Wonderland, right? Where are you yeah. going? If, if you don't know where you're going, then it doesn't matter what road you take. So I guess that's sort of that answer to it. If your money's there and it has to be there and you don't know where you want to go, it doesn't matter what you do. Right. And, and I mean, we have people, and, and I like it when people are honest and upfront with us. And there'll be some people that say, okay, well, look, if I go to a real estate agent, what's he going to tell me to do? buy more real estate. If I go to a life insurance agent, which a lot of people view us as a life insurance agency, 
what are, what are you going to recommend? Well, buy more life insurance, stockbroker, buy more stocks, right? Whatever it is, exactly. yep. they're going to tell you to buy more of what they have. And I don't think that's bad. Everybody's selling something to some extent. If right. they're not, I actually distrust people who say they're not selling something more than those who are. Because at least if you're saying, I know everything there is to know about life insurance and you should have some, I at least know he's an expert in that area. Exactly. And I know how yeah. he's getting paid and what motiv- what's motivating him. Um, and, and, and that's why we at Paradigm really heavily focus on getting our clients the education. We want them to hold us to that same standard. Right. We know we have a bias. We know we view things a certain way. And we don't want to be the ones pushing something that's not right for you either. Now, we, I guess we combat that two ways. First, we try to educate you. We say, this is how everything works. This is how to analyze it. Here's where to go get more information. I mean, when you started asking me for me, there was no end. Every time There's you, you, no end. Yeah, you called me and said, hey, you know, I've gone through all the videos. What do you got? Here's another book. Here's another article. Here's stuff. Yeah. And it was stuff that wasn't even directly related to insurance. It was, it was the entire financial process. Um, we tried it to, to get them to understand you, you've got to take some responsibility. You've got to get some understanding so that you know where you want to go. And we really work with clients to assess where they're at and where they want to go, define what that gap is and say, what are you, you know, what are the options to get you where you want to go? That's, you know, that, that's, that's the first side to saying, get that education and, and, and really, you know, really build that out. I, I think that's, that way you're able to hold everybody, us included, um, accountable to, to what they're offering and, and what you're trying to seek out. And then you can go get, find the products that you want. Um, the example, I use this in another podcast actually, but I think it's fitting here too. You know, we're always worried about being sold something. And mm. in the financial industry, it's, it's, probably the, the biggest place, that in used cars, right? Nobody wants to be sold something, yet we all need to buy stuff. Um, but so if somebody says, oh, you know, be careful, your life insurance agent is going to sell you something. Be careful of that real estate agent. He's going he's gonna to sell you something. Uh, you know, nobody has that same feeling when they walk into a grocery store. Nobody's like, hey, don't go in there. They're trying to sell you something. Right. That's exactly why I'm going there is they have what I want. But you could walk into a grocery store. There's two ways to do it. You can walk into a grocery store, put a lot of food in your cart, buy it all, and end up you, you could come home with a lot of food but have nothing to eat. That's true. Right? So if you don't have a it's recipe, true. if you don't know what meals you're planning for, but when you walk in, nobody's there to say, what meal are you, are you looking to prepare? Let me help you find all the ingredients. Right? That's not what they're there to sell you the product that they have. And I think that, to me, kind of wraps up our discussion is the people – giving most of the financial advice is just the checkout clerk saying whatever you've selected, whatever you've deemed, you know, here's some hot selling items. But other than that, you just bring to me what you want. I'll help you get them. But I assume you already have your meal plan together. Right. Yep. And a lot of people have a whole bunch of food, but nothing to eat. Um, and, and it, so I, I, I guess that's kind of what we want people to, like I've said it two or three times now, but that's what we want people to understand is, you you need to know what you want and what fits and how it works, and most financial advisors are not the ones giving that. Right. Uh, I think I think that's what inspired Patrick to start this, and what really sets us apart is we're one of the few places that you can get individual, specific, one-on-one education for your situation. And we want you to do the same with us. Mm-hmm. If you're coming to us seeking that advice. We want you to do the same amount of research, the same amount of due diligence on us, on our firm, and on our system that you would with any other mm-hmm. financial plan that you're looking at. Yep. Yeah. The videos and the articles and the podcast, all this information isn't just for fun. It's not, it's not for us. 
right? It's so that clients can do that, can check the facts, can can go and and do the due diligence. That's what they. Yep. Uh, that, that's what they need. Anything else to to add to that would be I no. Think, thank, valuable you know, somebody? thanks again for having me on you here. It? It's it's you know, working working with Paradigm Life and being a client of Paradigm Life, it's been a phenomenal experience. And really, the education piece, I'm still learning. Everyone else here is still learning. And as we continue to go through different economic recessions and rises in the market, there's always going to be other aspects of what we do here that can help out Mm -hmm. in your overall finance. Awesome. Well, we've got a few more minutes. I told you we were going to talk to you about your personal life a little bit too. So let's – I think we've kind of wrapped up the the topic for the day. Tell us a little more just about you, your family, what you guys – like to do what your ambitions are <laughs> well but you you, well, you quickly well, skipped into, into your education <laughs> you just kind of went over that so let's hear well, you it. know like i said we i i'm married with mm-hmm. with three little monster boys mm-hmm. love love the kids they're seven five and one one and a half almost two just just a bundle of joy we've got legos spread across our entire house right now um but we spent we spent some time down in houston working mm-hmm. down there doing school down there Loved the area, and we also did some contract work up in Sacramento. So we've been mm-hmm. all along the south and the west doing a bunch of stuff. But ultimately, both my wife and I are from Salt Lake City. We we came back here again when we when mm-hmm. we jumped on full time with with Paradigm Life, and mm-hmm. it's been great. What do you do? What do you like to do outside the office? You know, I know it, we keep you hopping here, but <laughs> when when you get a chance to escape, if it would actually start snowing, <laughs> you know, we're getting rain out here today yeah. in the Salt Lake Valley. But if it actually starts snowing. We're avid skiers. Oh, cool. We have the greatest snow on earth here, so yep. so we love getting up into the mountains and going snow skiing. Have you taken – your oldest is seven. Has he started yet or – So my boys, they don't know what snow is yet because we've been living out of the state mm-hmm. until this past year. So they don't know snow yet, but we've got some season passes to one of the, the ski resorts Good. here in the area. and. We'll be taking up them up there a couple times a week doing ski school and whatnot. So Good. that's kind of our – how do we get through winter – Mm-hmm. without hating snow too much yep well um, that's i love snow sports as well so that gets me through much to my wife's chagrin she could do without it but but yeah but you know other than that family keeps keeps us pretty busy we have yep. a lot of activities going on a lot of school stuff soccer practice you know mm-hmm. all the fun things that happen when you've okay. got little I'm, kids i'm gonna embarrass you just a little oh, bit shoot. here okay i'm not gonna make you sing anything <laughs> but you've got Brad, are you, you gonna do this you've got you've got a a musical background. Right? I do. I do. Tell us about that. So when I, when I was 11, 12 years old, uh, really wanted to go to an NBA game. We have the Utah Jazz here mm-hmm. in Salt Lake. And uh, my parents said, well, you've got a job, so save up your money and buy a ticket. You and your buddies can go. I said, okay, is there any other way? And they said, well, you could sing the national anthem hmm. and they'll give you free tickets, mm-hmm. VIP seats. I said, great. So I got two of my buddies together, and we sat down with a guy in the neighborhood and just said, hey, will you teach us how to sing the national anthem? And so we did. Mm-hmm. And we auditioned, and for whatever reason, the Utah Jazz let us sing the national nice. anthem in front of 21,000 people. I almost wet my pants. I was so scared. <laughs> um, and but your voice didn't crack? You my, nailed it? Oh, I'm sure it did. <laughs> <laughs> no. But we – so with that and a few other things that kind of – you know, fell off of that, uh, we ended up uh, working out in Japan every summer. 
uh, for NASCAR. They have wow. a big race course out in southern Japan. And so during the summer months, usually about a four to eight week period, we go there and and we would it was during their American races, so they would bring us out there and we would sing top forty billboard type songs and we'd be Look the entertainment that. there on their main center stage in between races and whatnot and and you know, just from there So that was through high school. That was through that? junior high and high school and That's whenever awesome. I was here in the back in the States, I would sing at different corporate banquets and do different things and then um, for a time, I lived out in in Spain. That's where you and mm -hmm. I met, and mm -hmm. so I do I do quite a bit of different productions here and there out mm -hmm. in Spain. And you know, it it was it was a real treat and yeah. uh, kind of a fun little hobby that I had growing up and oh, a good money maker. So yeah, no, that's really cool. See, who knew? <laughs> right? We're not we're not all just a bunch of spreadsheet nerds here. We've we've got interesting. And I, know, I don't think here. anyone in the office knows about that. So well, we'll now just, they all, we'll keep the no, door shut. Now they all do. Because Although they're listening, they're, so. they're all listening. So, well, yep. Thanks for thanks for coming hey, thank on. You. I think that I was fun it. to to get to know you a little bit and see, like we said, behind the curtain. Uh, you experienced it. You lived it. You you were there, and so. Hopefully, anyway, uh, our listeners have gotten something out of that and, and started so. to, to, to make some connections or um, learn something else. So, um, Get a so, plan. Yeah, to wrap up. Do some research. Yep, to wrap up, uh, you can always contact us at info at paradigmlife.net. You can go on our website. There's a contact us page. I think they've got, as part of either the resource page or an about us page, they've got all the advisors there uh, with mini bios. There's, like I said, Infinite 101. Sign up, register for that, watch it. Um, and learn the financial education that you've probably not been given um, up to this point. So thanks again for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial.